Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Powerful torrents of water. That's the upon. Have you ever seen floodwaters? How powerful they are? How they can carry whole houses and buildings effortlessly downstream? That's the torrent, the power of the upon filling of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Today, Pastor J.D. explains that the difference between receiving the Spirit when we are saved and being baptized in the Spirit has to do with power. When we're filled with the Spirit, torrents of power flow through us that result in courage and fruit in our lives. You simply need to ask for this. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. So let's take and tackle our first question. What is the baptism with or of the Holy Spirit? It's when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon, keyword, and I want you to put that in your hip pocket for just a moment. We're going to come back to it. Upon you, chiefly to empower you. Acts 1.8, and we'll look at Acts 1.8 again, but turn there, actually. Acts 1.8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you get to Romans, you're too far. It says, but you will receive power. Stop. That word power in the original language of the Greek New Testament is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. Dynamite. Explosive power. That power. You will receive that power when? Oh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, get this, it gets better. (laughs) You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know what Jesus is saying? Here's what Jesus is saying. Please listen. He's saying, don't even think about going to Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or anywhere on this whole planet, earth, until you receive this power. That's when you're to do that. Don't do it without it. Think about that. Okay. This is a question that I'm asked often. Is And it basically goes like this. I thought that when I got saved and was born again, that that's when I received the Holy Spirit. Isn't that when you received the Holy Spirit? Answer? Yes and no, and let me explain. It is possible for someone to be baptized with the Holy Spirit when they're born again. That was not my experience. 
However, and this was my experience, in Scripture, what we find is that there's this subsequent work of or baptism with the Holy Spirit. And it comes by way of this delineating between three different Greek pronouns that explain the difference in terms of the work of the Holy Spirit. So John 14 verse 16, we see the first one. Here Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. Now some of your translations render it helper and that's capitalized. You know why? That's the third person of the Trinity. That's the Holy Spirit. Now in the Greek, it's the word parakletos. This is not a bird. Okay? Parakletos, para, is where we get the word paralegal, parachute, paramedic. Para means to come alongside and help. This is the helper. And before you get saved, before you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes alongside you. That's para. That's the first of the three Greek pronouns. The second one is found in the next verse. John 14, verse 17. Listen. He goes on to say, The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. That's the second Greek pronoun, en, E-N, where we get the English pronoun in, I-N. So now I've got para, the Holy Spirit, alongside me, And now I've got the Holy Spirit in me, indwelling me. And again, we get to Acts 1-8, where we find the third Greek pronoun. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In the Greek, it's the word epi, E-P-I. It's where we get our English pronoun, upon. So now I've got para alongside, I've got in, indwelling, and thirdly, epi, upon me. And because I'm a visual person, the best illustration I've ever heard was that of a pitcher of water and a glass. Now, the para... The pitcher of water, the Holy Spirit, is alongside the glass. That's para. Then, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit is in you, indwells you. The pitcher is poured in you, E-N, or in. And then the third, and I want you to pay particular attention to this one, The Holy Spirit is poured out upon you to overflowing. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who thirst 
and I will give you living water, and it will be like torrents, powerful torrents of water. That's the upon. Have you ever seen floodwaters, how powerful they are? How they can carry whole houses and buildings effortlessly downstream. That's the torrent, the power of the upon filling of the Holy Spirit. I want that. (laughs) Don't you? By the way, doesn't this explain a lot? Why... In those circumstances in our life where we just seem so powerless. You know, the flesh is willing, but the spirit is weak. Why why is the spirit so weak and powerless? I need the Holy Spirit poured out upon me. So that my life can be that torrent, that powerful torrent of living water. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So, Pastor, are you telling me then that I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit indwelling me, but I may not have the Holy Spirit empowering me? Yes. I'm not coming back to this church. Okay, well, (laughs) I hope you don't feel that way. I hope you'll hear me out. Because there is a subsequent work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, and it's this upon or epi experience. And I want to draw your attention to Acts chapter 8, just seven chapters over. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, verse 14, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, verse 15, They prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. What? These are the apostles, as Gail Irwin says. These weren't even the B-apostles. These were the apostles, right? They, They had accepted the Word. They had accepted the Lord, who is the Word, and but they hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Well, what are we going to do? Oh, (laughs) well, it seems that because, verse 16, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any, upon, upon any of them, upon, did I say upon? Upon. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the water baptism. Then, verse 17, Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. Chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. Let me read them. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you, disciples, disciples, followers of believers in Jesus Christ, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Right there. So they said to them, interesting, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. 
What are you talking about? And he said to them, verse 3, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, verse 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, upon, upon them. Did I say upon, upon them? And here's what happened. (laughs) They spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, some of you right there are going, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. Don't worry, we'll get to that question. Just hang on, that's the elephant in the room, I know. Let's just wait, we'll get the elephant out of the room here shortly. Now, verse 7. The men were about 12 in all, and he went into the synagogue, and I want you to notice what it says here, and spoke boldly for three months. You know where that boldness came from? came from the dunamis, the power. When I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, one of the things that I noticed immediately was not my prayer language in an unknown tongue, but it was the boldness. It was the boldness. Not obnoxiousness. <laughs> we can be obnoxious for Christ, but I just had a boldness, man. It was this newfound power and boldness and confidence in the Lord like I had never known before. So they spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. That came by way of the Holy Spirit. Okay, next question. How do I get baptized with the Holy Spirit? I mean, thanks a lot for ruining my whole day here. This whole time I thought I was, (laughs) you know, I had the Holy Spirit, but apparently I don't. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's all right, you're welcome. So now, how do I receive the Holy Spirit and be baptized with the Holy Spirit? You ready for this? You have to go through a 12-week course, get a license from the city and county of Honolulu. Yeah, Yeah. no. You know what you need to do? You ready for this? Here it is. Wait for it. Here it comes. Ask. Ask. That's it? That's it? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. And you know, when James, and we quote this a lot, I know I do, you have not because you ask not. Isn't it that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above? And there's no changing of his mind. There's no shifting of shadows, no variation, no nothing, no back and forth. Well, what about the gift of the Holy Spirit? Are you kidding me? And I have not because I ask not? Here's the question. Why do I ask not? Because I think that the hyper-Pentecostal 
ism has marred the beauty of this powerful gift that God has for us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, let's be honest. I know for me, in my own personal experience, I thought, listen, I don't want anything that's going to make me hang from the chandeliers at church or run up and down the aisles or, you know, dance and do all of this. I'm not a good dancer anyway. That would be hideous. I don't want that. Because that's what I associated with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke's gospel. It's recorded chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock on the door and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit. To those who just simply ask him. Last question. And it's a doozy. (laughs) Is speaking in tongues the only evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit? Answer, no. There are five accounts in the book of Acts where the hands were laid upon. And by the way, you don't even need to have hands laid upon you. I did not have anybody lay hands upon me to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You can do it right here today. Right here today. You can ask and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And I hope you will today. Five times in the book of Acts, hands were laid upon people and they received the Holy Spirit. And only three of those five times was it accompanied with this speaking in tongues. The other two it was not. Again, the chief evidence is the power and boldness that comes from receiving the Holy Spirit. That's the chief evidence. And by the way, this again is sadly an abuse and it has... I believe in a lot of ways grieved the Holy Spirit and God forbid even quenched the Holy Spirit. The emphasis really isn't on the gifts anyway. It's on the fruit. It's on the fruit. Show me somebody that's been baptized with the Holy Spirit and I'll show you somebody that has the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love. Love. They become loving. That's the fruit. And the, and the problem is, is that gifts are received in an event, and that's fine, but why all the emphasis on the gifts and the de-emphasis on the fruits? Well, probably because fruits grow in a process 
of time. When we get to chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the famous passage of, and it's singular, by the way, the fruit, not fruits, plural, fruit, singular, of the Holy Spirit, love. Now here's what comes from the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love. What comes from love is joy and peace and patience. I hate that one. That's a hard one for me. (laughs) But that's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And notice this, and I, what is the whole context of our text? Receiving the Spirit by way of the law, and he says, against such things there is no law. Oh, wait a minute. I thought that not one jot, not one tittle of the law has been done away with. No, no, that's true, but it was fulfilled. Watch this. When you're in town in Honolulu and you see a sign that says Kaneohe 13 miles, okay, that sign is fulfilling its purpose in pointing you in the right direction to reach your final destination. Kaneohe, right? Now, when you arrive in Kaneohe, that sign in town has fulfilled its purpose. We don't go down there and tear it down. No, it's still there. Not anything has changed with that. It's just fulfilled its purpose in reaching us to our final destination. And so too did Jesus, when he came here the first time, reaching his final destination for our salvation, he fulfilled that law that pointed us to him. Because that's all the law does. All the law does is show me me, and it shows me that I'm a sinner, that I have broken God's law. I have broken his law, and because breaking his law means that I'll be sentenced to death, the death penalty, the wages of sin is death, I'm kind of in need of a Savior. And so the law points me to Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the law, for me instead of me. And like a tutor, a schoolmaster, it directs me to the person of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from Galatians has blessed you and that you desire to learn more about Jesus. If you'd like to hear today's message again or other teachings from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. You'll also find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Did you know you can also take In Spirit and Truth with you wherever you go? It's true. Using your Android or Apple smartphone, download our mobile app and have biblically sound messages available right at your fingertips. Links to the app are right on our website. You can find Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update online as well. These weekly updates take a critical look at what's happening in the world today. 
particularly in the areas talked about in the Bible. Many of the events we see have been prophesied in the Bible, but with all that's going on, how do we know what's real and what isn't? Pastor J.D. takes the time each week to compare world events to biblical passages and gives us a clear picture of where we are. Tune in every Friday and Saturday to hear the latest edition or find it on our mobile app. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to learn more. Thanks again for joining us today on In Spirit and Truth. We're so blessed to be a part of your life in this way. We want you to know we pray for you often. Join Pastor J.D. on the next edition of In Spirit and Truth to keep learning more from the book of Galatians. Holy me true to 